What's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Perret. Today, we have an exciting episode with Ben Welch of the Millennial Real Estate Investor Podcast. He's a friend of mine. We're going to talk about some of his developments in Denver, as well as some of his out-of-state investing. His first deal was an eight-unit deal halfway across the nation. So definitely check it out. Some good tidbits in here. Uh, If this is your first time listening, thanks for joining the community. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. Show notes can be found at FromMilitaryToMillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. What's up, everybody? It's Dave from Military Millionaire. I'm here with Ben Welch of the, I totally just botched it, the Millennial <laughs> Real Estate Investor Podcast. There we go. I just talked to him about how I was going to mess it up and confirmed it, and here that, I go. Okay, so I have this running joke on our podcast that Dan gives me crap every time because I mess people's last names up like 80% of the time. Awesome. So I, yours, Dan actually, I think I got. This. Yeah. I, so thanks, Darren, thanks, for covering Dan. for me. Ben, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, first in-person podcaster. So Yeah, here we go. I, I like to be the first. Start the trend. Actually, it's not a bad trend. More people should come visit you in Hawaii. It's an incentive. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's an IGDU outside. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, my name's Ben Welch. Um, I am an investor. I am from Denver, Colorado. Invest in Memphis, Tennessee. I have... Uh, a couple development projects going on in Colorado as well. And also, like Dave said, am one of the hosts of the Millennial Real Estate Investor Podcast. So that's me in 30 seconds. Wow. Uh, all right. Well, so, and we didn't prep this because I didn't ask him about all the real estate stuff he wanted to get into. <laughs> so I'm just going to ask, what kind of developing are you doing in Denver? Because that sounds really cool. Yeah. So this was, this was like sort of a, a detour from what I've been focused on, which we'll see if that's a good or bad thing. But uh, we have three single family homes that we're building uh, just just east of where we are. So it's about 10 miles away. Uh, my previous investing had all been out of state. So this is kind of fun to actually have it close. Uh, so me and two other partners are building three single family homes. That's pretty cool. How'd you get into that? Did you just stumble on some land or was it a... Sorta. So, so the three of us had had this idea for a while that we were going to do this because one, one of the partners is a general contractor and he's been doing this in Southern Colorado for a while now. And we all thought, and then the other, the other partner is my business partner on the real estate agent side. Cause I also have my license yeah. in Colorado. Um, so we all kind of stumbled upon this, like, Hey, you know, we should kind of do what, that one of our guys is doing down south closer to us. Uh, and actually, funny story, the first time we tried to do this, we totally failed, but very successfully failed. So we bought this piece of land for uh, like 190. It, it had just been dropped from 323 down to 190. Wow. Real prime area. And we thought, okay, you know, this was dropped. 130k huge drop yeah yeah so so we're thinking if it's worth anything close to where it was before and it wasn't selling then we're good 
So we bought this beautiful piece of land. We were going to build a house on it. We were starting the, the home building process. Um, and the day after we closed, we put it up on the market and just said, okay, you know, throw out this huge number that if somebody takes it, we have no choice other than to sell it. Well, somebody took it and closed three weeks later for like a hundred grand more than we bought it for, which worked out really well for our third partner because he was sort of the the key financial partner in that one. Um, We took a commission from it and we were all happy. Walked away and on to the next one. Flipping a piece of raw land. Yeah. Oh, what's his name would be proud of you? Ari Tipster or Ari Tipster? Yeah, yeah, Seth Williams. Yeah, he'd be proud of you. That's his game, right? Yeah, we like Seth. We've had him on the podcast too. Need to talk, good I need guy. To get him on there once. He's. I got to meet him finally at FinCon. He is a good guy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, that's cool because you didn't have to do anything. And with like raw land, I mean, no renovation, no. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't want to focus the whole time on land, but I do have this like little soft spot in my heart for land. It's just like you know people don't understand how to judge the value of a piece of land Mm. it's so hard because comps mean very little you know you can have this one that we did you can be down the block and have it it was a one acre piece of land that we had you can be down the block and at the bottom of the hill and it's worth half as much as the piece of land we had at the top of the hill so there are all these other factors going into it and i think that you know for for people who like the idea of land there's definitely something there there's money to be made yeah and especially i mean the idea that you can change the zoning code right and like triple the value of the piece of land right. yeah yeah there's a lot of and then there's uh man was it ty lopez that was talking at the tenx close conference uh the idea of if you see that a town is building and you just buy yeah. land and you just sit on it doesn't yeah. cost much to hold on to raw land. There's no maintenance. There's, you might not make any money, right? But then you know, five years down the road, it's worth so much more than you put <laughs> into it, and it's like you did nothing, right? Yeah, so. it's a speculative play, whereas like the rest of my investing is so uh, steady and cash flow based no. that this is like almost just some you know something fun on the side. That if yeah. you can be speculative, do it. If you can't be, if you can't afford to take that speculative risk, I would say, you know, for anybody listening, listening, that may not be the place to yeah. start. Yeah, I don't know that land is, yeah, because it, it is until it until you flip it or make some kind of you know capital gains on it. There's no profits. So, right. Yeah. Right. Even yeah, if the taxes, yeah, if the taxes aren't high, it's still a negative cash flow until you do something. Absolutely. Well, that's still cool. So then you did that and then you moved on to this other patch with the three houses. Yep. So uh, we sold that one and then um, I decided I wanted to be part of the financial mix of this one too. So basically we have two uh, financial partners and then our third partner is running the whole show, running the project. Uh, And we got a pretty good price on these three pieces of land in a subdivision that had been done 10 years ago. And uh, you know, there were like a couple houses, but 10 years ago was, well, I guess we're 2019 now. So it was actually like 12 years ago, right before the recession. Yeah. So they made this beautiful neighborhood that was supposed to be full of custom homes, like 40 lots in it. And then two people built and that was it. And then it just sat for another 10 years. Oh yeah. I guess that would, cause Denver is definitely a market that took a hit. 
we yeah we took a hit a little bit and this is like outside of denver enough the metro area enough that i think it got hit worse out there mm. so we came in we got a decent price on these and uh we'll hopefully break ground well that's a really cool strategy to have a general contractor as a partner with that because a lot of people look into uh like building or developing and a lot of times and it depends on your market but a lot of times the numbers don't work because by the time you pay the yeah. contractor and the labor there's a lot of places like it would cost there was so for me there's a dupe i bought my duplex the lot next door yeah. is vacant it's like six grand right i'm like oh great and i was gonna buy it i started doing my research I'm like it's gonna cost me more to build a duplex there than this thing costs yeah so i should just buy another duplex somewhere else so right i think getting a contractor involved is a pretty cool play I, I think it's the only way that would have worked for us. Yeah. Um, we've kind of run the numbers other ways to see if it would work out if we hadn't have done it that way. And I don't think it'd work. So this way, you know, he has a cut too. He's also one of the financial partners. So he has that cut and he's lending his expertise as a GC. So you know, everybody's incentives are directed the right way. That's really cool. So what about Memphis? What do you do there? What's your strategy? long distance because it's kind of funny that you say that you invested long distance before you ever yeah started moving short a lot of people don't do that right right um yeah we should get into that too i think why people avoid long distance it's yeah. the boogeyman is the, i got the book down there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. david's uh, david yeah, green's yeah, book yeah, nice yeah. um yeah so in memphis i own eight units and bought those about two years ago and it's been a ride there so a lot of lessons learned that was obviously my first investment and i think you know there are so many good things oh sorry guys oh, for no. anybody watching Our super professional <laughs> really well planned podcast got interrupted by a phone noise what are we gonna do? oh no <laughs> so um yeah i think so I, w I went to memphis for the purpose of buying steady cash flow rentals uh, and so far that's actually worked out fairly well uh, the reason i went to memphis was we had a friend who was already investing out there made it a little bit safer yeah. gave me some kind of anchor of stability in memphis and he introduced me to his agent his property manager which ended up being one and the same person uh, and then contractors and everybody else too so was going for cash flow there uh, bought this eight unit complex, which is kind of unique. It's actually four duplexes altogether. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I went out there the first time I went out there, I believe strongly. in if you want to invest out of state, go show up there, like drive around the neighborhoods, get to know people. And, uh, the first time I went out, we had, we looked at about 35 houses the first weekend Jeez. and it, which is like a marathon. Yeah, that, and, that gets tiresome. For yeah, sure. yeah. Poor agent is probably like, oh my god. Oh, he's the man. <laughs> he's the man. So he took me around to see thirty-five. I found this one, and I was just like, yeah, this is it. Uh, it was it was a lot cheaper than everything else. It had some issues, but issues that are like the, you know, like I think somebody somebody on the Bigger Pockets podcast a long time used to talk about. Uh, how he'd take his kids into a house and as soon as they smelled a bad smell in the house, the kids would say it smells like money. Oh, yeah. Who, 
I know who you're, I know who there you're was, talking about. I'm trying to figure out who it was. It was like a, a real early it one. I was to say it was one of the first 30 or 40. I yeah, think. yeah. But yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like that. Like I, I saw it and I was like, okay, you know, these are solvable problems. Um, and the agent also was related to the owner, related to the owner's, married to the owner's uh, son who thought he was going to inherit the property so that the whole family did everything they possibly could to make the deal not happen, which I think is another lesson for like trying to get your first deal. Sometimes like, I could have given up so many times and sometimes you just have to keep pushing. Yeah. Just, you know, make it happen after months or whatever it takes. I think that's a big piece. The whole, you know, we talk about taking action, but uh, you know, people get stuck in analysis paralysis, but like yeah. at the end of the day, it's not always an easy process. And you have to know that going in and know that this is what you want and push through that. That's the, the barrier to entry that makes real estate such a great investment. Yeah. It's not like the stock market where you can go to TD Ameritrade and be like, click, click, click. Oh man, I'm gonna be a right. millionaire. Right. I mean, I suppose you could go out there and buy a $10,000 house somewhere and Two stumble into it. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, actually, uh, and I'm not going to say a name, but I'm doing this coaching program, right? Um, for those of you who don't know, I kind of started, I'm not trying to plug anything, but I'm running a beta test on a potential coaching program. One of the ladies, she was like, called the neighborhood, called a house and was just like, you want to give me your house? <laughs> and I kid you not. The guy said, cause it had been abandoned forever. Right. The guy's like, yeah, sure. So, but you can't give someone a house. She bought it for a dollar. Close, wow. close on the property for a dollar and it's needed some renovation but it's still like she's gonna end up being all in for like half of what the property's worth and i'm like that's awesome wow i'm like i need you on the podcast to tell that story because that's hilarious i was like laughing rolling out of my chair i'm like <laughs> you did what huh like you know i don't know wow i wonder what even sparked that i have no idea i'm not sure i would ever be brave enough to just start I, calling people and say hey want to give me your house i don't know that i'd ever even think about that <laughs> yeah. like i was just like and that's your first house I'm like, amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's out of state. And I'm like, well, I'm talking about some craziness. So yeah. Bravo. Like, I, I need to find a property manager for this house I got for a dollar. I'm like, a, what? <laughs> a house for a what? <laughs> How many dollars? <laughs> Man, refi out of that and you're you're yeah. completely positive. It's a pretty cool idea. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. Uh, no. Where were we? I went rabbit trail. Oh, uh, duplex, so, or not duplex, but the first house. Did it end up working out? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so it's still working out. It's been two years worth of lessons. Um, I've never had a month where I've lost money on it. That's good. So that's been a good thing, yeah. right? And that's kind of why I went multifamily in the first place, because if three people move out, I'm still covering the mortgage yeah. and the utilities and everything. So uh, that's been really good. The neighborhood has turned tremendously since I bought it. Uh, and I, you know, I kind of was going for that to begin with. I knew where I bought and I knew I liked the neighborhood, but appreciation is also always just the icing on the cake. Yeah, an extra bonus. Yeah, exactly. So uh, in the next probably six months, I will, so I bought for a hundred for all eight units. And uh, I've put, I think I've put about 80 in total since I bought. And after this year, we'll stabilize out. I'll refi and basically be able to pull all the initial cash back out. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so Burr method 
just on steroids. Longer than most people's burr method. Yeah, it's but been also a two with year. a lot more cash involved. Yeah. To be able to do it with an eight unit, I mean, you'll have a lot more cash flow when you pull out, I would imagine, than. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. So your first deal was eight units halfway across the nation. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yep. In Memphis, Tennessee. Which is somewhere that you didn't really know anything about except for a guy you knew. Yeah. A guy I knew. And, you know, the numbers look good. Because yeah. it's a lot. It's the same as a lot of the Midwest that the price to rent ratios are so good that basically the the amount you're getting in rent compared to the price that you're paying for the house is so much better than as compared to like Denver, for example. You know, I might pay, let's say, four hundred for a house that I'm going to rent for eighteen hundred. Yeah. So, so that's like you know, you're you're not doing very well at that point. You're well under half a percent that you're getting back in rent yeah. whereas i paid eighty-one thousand for a duplex full alpha price and it rents for a thousand and some change yeah so yeah the midwest is definitely a cash flow market but yeah. you'll never really appreciate i mean you might but not much yeah like my property's gone up like five thousand dollars when the rest of the world's gone up like 20 percent. So. <laughs> yeah and that's the thing like i think for investors especially investors getting going you have to figure out what what you want out of it. If you want cash flow and you're okay with very flat appreciation, then great, there are markets for that. If you want to speculate on appreciation a little bit more, then, you know, go to Denver and and cover your costs, make sure you're cash flowing a little bit and then hope, I don't know. Yeah, cross your fingers and That hasn't been my strategy, but I, I think that appreciation has a good I mean there's there's good plays there, but yeah. You know, I don't know. If you've noticed the trend on YouTube, everybody's posting all the videos about the recession. Right, right. And I'm like, fear monger. <laughs> I mean, I kind of hope there's a recession. I could not, not until after you guys flip your single family house. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, cross your fingers for about seven months from now. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, I could go for some cheap houses. But then again, in the Midwest, it really won't affect much. It'll still be yeah roughly the same price for everything. So. Yeah, exactly. Which exactly. is nice. My appreciation curve goes like, a flat line so I'm okay with that <laughs> right um, and the thing about the recession is if you have rentals and you're holding on to them for the purpose of cash flow what do you care if we have a recession I don't I mean no, my, my rent doesn't price matter. might actually go up right. right people move out of their house they need a place to live I say sorry sorry yeah. you lost your house but I already have potential renters so you're gonna have to give me more money or I'm not gonna rent you yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think you'd, you'd care if you owned like class A properties where, you know, these people are, if you lose a job, then they move down to a class B because that's what they can afford now. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know, you know, where you'd consider your properties, but mine are probably C. C plus properties. Yeah. So I'm going to have tenants no matter what if we get hit a recession. Exactly. I, it's the same, the same thought I had when... Uh, Missouri recently voted for the $15 minimum wage and everybody was like super excited and they're talking about how, you know, they all, I don't want to say small minded, but all the people who don't understand finances, <laughs> who can't figure out, don't take this the wrong way, but people who can't figure out how to get away from a job making minimum wage and they're, they're just stuck in that trap, generally the same people who don't understand that raising the minimum wage is not going to solve all your problems because there's a lot of stuff that goes with that. One of which being that I'm going to increase my rent because you can now afford more and the rest of the market's going up. And so I'm going to end up making more money because I bought before the rent went up. Yeah. 
Um, and so everyone was all, everyone's, you know, so opposite end of the spectrum. And I'm over here like, well, I think it was really dumb to raise the wage, but I'm really happy you did because I get to increase my rent next year. Yeah, <laughs> so, it, so. yeah exactly. It, it works out well. And that's why, you know, that's why being a buy and hold investor, if you have a little bit of patience and you're smart about what you're doing is such a good long-term strategy. Absolutely. All right. So we can talk real estate all day. Um, I'm curious to hear what is... And this is a totally different question that we didn't prep at all. Um, what is something, what do you think is like the biggest takeaway that you've gotten from running a podcast on real estate investing? Oh, that's a good question. I had a, another really good question, and then I realized that I should ask you that when we're not recording because I don't want to hear, I don't think anyone wants to hear your answer. <laughs> I was going to ask him who his favorite podcast guest was and if I could get their contact info so I could interview him. And then I realized <laughs> he probably shouldn't say that publicly because everyone else will get mad. Oh, me, because I mean, unless I thought you me, were just looking for a plug back. See, me, I was his favorite. I'll say it myself. No, <laughs> um, no, no. no. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious to hear because I've gotten a lot out of running podcasts. I'm curious to hear what you think's the biggest takeaway because this is your second podcast. This is our run, second. Right? So. Yeah. So uh, the first one we ran was purely entrepreneurial. It was called Ditching Nine to Five. It, it's still out there, but we don't really do anything with it. No. Uh, we pivoted to real estate because that's what we needed to focus on. Both of us are in real estate and my partner, Dan Mackin, who, po who hosts the podcast with me, both of us are, are in real estate. We needed to get focused in life more than we were. Uh, so, and we were also like denying all these real estate guests on our other show, even though that's like what we wanted to talk about anyway. So we had to like split them out. So that's why we went to real estate. But uh, in terms of a takeaway from running a podcast, uh, I, I think that, you know, if anybody's out there looking to start a podcast, if nothing else, it's an incredible way to network with people like yourself. Like my wife and I are out here in Hawaii for a month and I happen to be sitting in your office and like, you know, we've made a connection that we wouldn't have made otherwise. I think that that's been one of the coolest things about doing it. I would agree. That's actually, I've been thinking about that a lot this last week. So people talk about what's your end goal with the podcast? Do you want to sponsor? Do you want to, how are you going to monetize the podcast? And I honestly, like, I don't care if I have to monetize the podcast. Yeah. I get to sit down and have a 30 to 40 minute conversation, maybe an hour. I had one with Phil, the guy, the video I showed you earlier that's going to come out soon with us drinking a beer. And yeah. Just, yeah. Um, we did a podcast. We filmed for like an hour and some change. And then when the recording went off, we talked for like another hour and a half. <laughs> Finally, I was like, I'm late for work. I, it's like been like three hours. I need to go. <laughs> um, but you, 40 minutes of getting asked any question you want to ask. Yeah. Like one-on-one -on -one with people that normally you wouldn't have access to. It's really cool. Yeah, it is cool. And, and I mean, that's the same thing that we've done all the time too. You know, it, what you guys see on a podcast or hear on a podcast is like half the conversation because usually you hang up and you're like, oh, I have like 12 more questions. And it just keeps going for a while. So, but that goes along with, you know, we ask this question on our podcast every time that, about uh, what's a big unexpected benefit you've got from real estate investing. Yeah. And it's funny because the number one thing, we've actually started saying, you can't say this anymore. You gotta come up with something else. The number one thing we've heard from everybody is, the biggest unexpected benefit of real estate investing is are the people you get to meet. It's such a cool community. It is. I joke, uh, the FinCon community, 
I yeah. joke because I'm like, the reason I went into real estate is not for the real estate. It's for the people. And I was like, because I'm in the Marine Corps and we're like the, oh, this is my podcast. I can say whatever I want. We're like the bastard stepchildren <laughs> of the military branches. Not really. Don't take that the wrong way, Marine Corps. But we're like the, we isolate ourselves by sitting in a corner and being like, we're better than all of you. We're badasses, right? <laughs> we're like the guys drinking the beer, doing all, just, right. that's like the persona, right? And I think we were in FinCon. And all the real estate guys were like smuggling Coronas into the ending award night and like drinking beer in the back. of <laughs> Everyone's all serious, like cheering for their favorite people. And we're like drinking Coronas and yeah. shotgun and beer. Enjoying life. We got told that we were, we got told by the hotel we weren't allowed to bring our own beer in. So we had to go outside. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, this is the group, the perfect group of people for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> So I love it. Um, yeah, the real estate people are good people. Yeah, I think a lot of people are always afraid to like go to their first real estate meetup or like start networking in the real estate community. And it's like, you know, cause it can be intimidating to go to these people who are, you know, even a step above you in success in real estate. But it's just, it's not like that. Yeah. You know, once you jump in, once you go to a meetup, like you run a meetup here, out here in, yeah, Oahu. I bring pizza. Some people show up with beer. We hang out on the beach. And in yeah. fact, Doug Nordman, like we were there the other day, and he comes walking up out of the water because he's been surfing for an hour <laughs> before the meetup started. So lesson number two, you guys should make it out here to join in on the meetups and the real estate conversations. Yeah, it's fun. It's worth it. Sometimes we get like, last time we had this homeless guy come up and I don't know what was going on. He like was trying to, it was weird. He like he ended up joining the conversation though for like forty five minutes and I don't know what he was talking about real estate but he was like like a whole group of people hanging out and I'm like but he came up to like a, like basically say if you see something say something and I see a bunch of weird people gathered under a light in a pavilion yeah. and I'm wondering what you guys are all doing here like we are I, some he thought weird we were people like dealing drugs or something we're like no we're just talking real estate and he's like oh can I join I'm like yeah and he just hung out with us the whole rest of the night so I'm like all right whatever drink drank some beer ate some pizza it was a good time that's awesome but uh, that's awesome yeah it's a it's an odd group anyway i digress um <laughs> all right so i should probably at least ask one of my normal questions right look guys you don't ever see this because it's on the screen normally but I, it's even laminated like a professional. yeah this is like fancy I'm a, I'm a professional i can spill all over it yeah except that i had all this so i could write my own notes and then even my like dry erase markers stay on it so it didn't work <laughs> i can't I, I like you can tell there's like residue so i like finally gave up and was like i'm just gonna do it on the computer anyway um so if a 19 20 year old walked up to you asking you for advice on real estate life whatever what would be your your life lesson in your wise old age <laughs> wise old age ah that's a good one though um i think so so i'm gonna kind of two-part this answer you only it, get one part <laughs> All right, well, you guys will be left with half an answer. <laughs> There's the hook. And... <laughs> you have to come back to find out more next week. Um, no, I think that, and this is, this is tough at 19 or 20, but I think that you have to figure out what you want your life to look like and what your goals are in real estate. So, you know, do you want to be active? Do you want to be a flipper? Do you want to be, you want to get your hands dirty and be in it every day? Because there are so many different ways that you can go about being successful in real estate. So do you want to be active or do you want to set up you know, a base of passive cash flow so that you can go pursue other things in your life? And both ways are okay, but you have to figure out what your goal is. And then 
part two of the answer after you figure out what your goal is, is you got to figure out what can move the needle today on that. So like, I, I know that you've just read the one thing recently. Uh, I've read it at least twice, I think. Or reviewed it yeah, yeah. on your YouTube oh, channel. Oh yeah, yeah, I did do the re review here recently. Yeah, it's a good book. So I think like employing that mentality, and if you guys haven't read the book, go pick it up, it's awesome. So figure out what your, what your goal is, and then figure out every day what you can do, like what's the thing I need to do to move that goal forward. So if I were 19 or 20, that's what I'd do. And yeah. I'd go sooner is the other thing. I'd buy sooner. Yeah, the people think age is such a disadvantage. In fact, this this guy I'm going through like lawsuit stuff with or whatever he he was always he would always bring up how long he'd been in the business, how experienced he was, and he'd say, you know, I understand that you've only been doing it, and, and he's never seen me. He doesn't know how old I am, and mm -hmm. he doesn't know how experienced I am. But he guess he figured out that I'm not as old as him, so he assumed that meant something. Um, and I was always just kind of like, all right, cool, man. Like, that doesn't matter. In fact, if anything, it's an advantage that I'm young. Yeah, maybe I haven't done it as long. But if you're 20 and you start investing, like compound interest on your learning, compound interest on your investment, you know, a 20-year-old could buy two properties, 30-year note, doesn't cash flow, break even. And before they're retired, have two paid off assets that are cash yeah. flowing like a king. Yeah. Whereas I'll be, you know, if I do that now, I'm going to be in my 60s, right? Yeah. You know, 50s, 60s, whatever. It's a whole different ballgame. Um, that 10 or 20 years so yeah and you know especially if you're if at 19 or 20 either way you're in this position where most likely unless you're married really young you're okay with living with roommates so why not buy a house and have your roommates pay your mortgage for you yeah. and if everything else fails you're like 20 years old you right can, you can get back on your feet <laughs> exactly right? like, Exactly. Not as crippling as when you're 40 and your life falls apart and you're 20. You're supposed to wreck your life at 21 anyway. <laughs> so why not do it financially instead of alcohol? Wreck it smarter than the rest of your friends. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you're going to end up in jail for bankruptcy, not drugs. It's so much better. Um, anyway, uh, I digress again. Look at this. This is why I don't do interviews in per person. So I talk too much. Um, it's a good one here. I, I normally ask like what makes the Ben Welch method of investing in real estate unique? And since I said that out loud, I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, <laughs> it's I was going to skip there. it and then I said it out loud anyway. So um, there you go. <laughs> All right. So what makes the Ben Welch method of real estate investing unique or successful? It's kind of like a spinoff of the bigger pockets question. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not as cool as Beardy Brand, and I only have the top beard going. On. Top beard. So. <laughs> I got no beard, so yeah. I'm definitely not as cool. There we go. We're like the off-brand David and Brandon King. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, I think that, you know, I think I've been able to see, you know, the little bit of success that I have because I wasn't afraid to go out of state. Um and I think that a lot of people let that hold them back. Like today, you know, even with contractors, you can go on Thumbtack and find people to do what you need. The, going out of state just isn't that big of a deal. Um, so I, I think that that's one thing. And then just always looking for opportunity. Yeah. I think, you know, keeping your eyes open for what's out there. Yeah, I think the fact that you're willing to develop something new in Denver, that's a unique not a lot of people de developing on on the smaller scale, I guess. Like you meet the guys who do like development, right? And then right. you meet guys who like flip 
houses, but it's not it's not very common even nowadays, even with the market coming back up to watch people yeah. do like like building seems to be a, a primary residence thing. It's mm-hmm. not as common to be an investor thing, so it's cool. Yeah. I mean, we'll do a follow up in seven or eight months and, and see how it goes. Yeah, and the market will have gone up a hundred percent and he'll be a billionaire. <laughs> That's right. Or a thousand percent. With, with a B. Yes. Off of three single families. I'll take it. I'm, I'll I'll wait for it. One neighborhood in Denver where Jeff Bezos moved because <laughs> uh, Amazon's going to change their plan uh, anyway, and he's not going to get divorced, so he'll still be the richest man in the world. Right, right. All of this will come true, and he'll make it to Mars before Elon. Uh, on the moon. I don't. <laughs> if you're listening out there, Blue Angel or whatever the Amazon company is, I love you guys. Uh, all right, so what is one resource, book, podcast, not your podcast, not my podcast. We know it would have been my podcast. Um, what's one resource that you think uh, stands out from the rest in the flood of real estate business stuff? Um, so I already said the one thing. Mm. I think that that is like truly powerful um, in what you can do. The other best book that I've read on real estate it, that's not on real estate is Never Split the Difference Ooh, by Chris I, Voss. I, need, I don't have it here because I have only done Audible. I need to order it. I've talked about that book three times today to coaching students. Yeah. Um, I love that book. Absolutely. I mean, like life-changing book because it could be about your work if you're in a W-2. It could be about your relationships with your wife, your kids, whoever. Like it's just a, uh, it teaches you how to, how to listen and how to understand people, yeah. I think is really what it comes down to. Yeah, and then it teaches you. I mean, I saved like four grand negotiating repair costs before I even finished reading the book. Yeah, I was just like using random stuff. In fact, it's funny. So I like long story short, it only needed like nine or ten grand to fix this house, and so I asked for like sixteen and some change, <laughs> like some really weird number, right? Uh-huh. They came back at like eleven. Yeah, and I was like, oh well, that's more than I needed. But I was so in the book that I'm like can't just take their first offer so i did a counter and it bumped it up i, I ended up making like <laughs> i got like four thousand dollars cash out of a deal yeah without needing it for repairs just because i was like well let's ask the question yeah and, absolutely uh, and it, it worked and it teaches like, you the right way to go about doing that yeah that will work like i've read other negotiation books that are kind of hard-headed like i'm gonna just brute force my way through this negotiation that's not what this is at all so no that one that's what was the quote I said today? I felt smart saying it. Now I can't remember it as much. That's how you know it was smart. It's <laughs> up in my head now. Um, oh, like I do swap meet. I do the garage sale flip uh-huh. thing now for fun. And I was like, negotiating real estate is not nearly the same as negotiating flea market. People think negotiation and they think like, will you do 10? Oh, I'm not going above 10. No, you got to do 10. How about nine and a half? You know, it's like, right. no, no, that's not. Sometimes, in fact, sometimes in real estate, like giving them the dollar amount they want is the biggest play you can make because now they're happy and now you ask for something they're not expecting like a half percent off your interest or absolutely whatever and all of a sudden you're walking away they're happy you're happy and you just made like the best play ever yeah some abstract thing they wouldn't have even known yeah i always like to joke about negotiating for the hot tub like i'll give you the price you want but you're leaving the hot tub yeah (laughs) um yeah we just actually so for a client of mine we just did that about a month ago we got almost all the furniture hot tub everything included because we gave them their price and my client was okay with the price and actually we offered 10 grand less yeah but we gave by coming up to that price 
and we found other ways to make it worth it. Mm. That's the cool thing about real estate. You don't, like you said, it's not like being at the flea market. All I have is my dollar and your whatever you're selling me. Yeah. And yeah. that's it. Otherwise, you know, with, with real estate though, you have terms, length of terms, interest, accessories, you know, yeah, whatever. I always like to say like my price, your terms, your price, my terms, and that's where you win. Yep. I'll, I'm, if, I'm, if the price works at full asking price, you don't offer full asking price, but you, you know, you, you offer low, they always say no, and then you're like, okay, fine, I'll come up to your price, but, and that but, and whatever you throw in there is almost always better than it's very important. Interested. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that book's huge. That's a good point. I think you're the first one to recommend that book. I nice. love it. So. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. All right. So uh, before we wrap this up, is there anything you'd like to add? I, I should have been like timing this. I'm sure this is probably going to be like one of my longer podcasts because it's just easy to talk when you're in person. So. Yeah. That, that's all right. All right. We'll, we'll wrap it up here. <laughs> um, no, I think that... Uh, you know, obviously our show's the Millennial Real Estate Investor Podcast, so we believe strongly that more young people should be investing. And I think that that's the biggest takeaway. If you're young, no matter what else you're doing in life, you should start looking into this because it will do more for you to jump into the game smartly and do whatever you need to do than if you're sitting on the sidelines not building some kind of financial stability. I agree. Now, I was going to ask where people can get a hold of him. We'll do that again in a second. But because he mentioned his podcast, I'm going to I'm going to go out and just say so. So for all my old salty military listeners, how do you define millennial? Uh, that's a that's a great great question. It, I, it gets... I, I was not the first person I believe who came on your show and was like, just don't call me. Millennial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jokingly, because I am. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I'm not. That's why I have the upper. I'm gonna start calling this my top beard. Top beard. Um, my top beard, so that I don't look as young as I am. Yeah, I think that I. I mean, our definition of millennial stretches. We we have many people in the gray area of millennial. Um, I, I think that basically what it comes down to for us is if you're like, I don't know, 35, 37 or under, like you should be doing this. You should be investing. Yeah. So who knows? Some Somewhere in that range. I don't know, 18 to 35 I, right now. <laughs> there we go. So that's, that's all of you. Uh, <laughs> majority of my audience is 24 to 35. So you're welcome. <laughs> there so, we go. All right. So where can people get a hold of you? Google Millennial Real Estate Investor. Yeah, so millennial-realestate.com is our website. Uh, go on there for show notes, whatever. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, the email for the podcast is podcast at millennial-realestate.com. Uh, that'll go to Dan, my partner, and I, and we'll get it. So, yeah, awesome. feel free to reach out. I'll plug all that in the show notes. So Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show and in my guest room. Yeah. office place life that's so, right awesome thanks Thank for you. having me man